ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we meet again then after a break of approximately five months or whatever it's been. So it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we find this opportunity again to resume. And all of the situations and all of the affairs that occur, they are from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what has occurred over the last few months, nobody would have imagined such a situation but the situation is as it is and the decree of Allah is as it is so in honesty I don't think the current situation is going to change or disappear anytime soon it would appear that the situation is probably going to continue in various forms for quite some time. So if that is the case, it's important to remember that in reality, it's not something that is so much extraordinary or out of the ordinary from what has happened in history before. Meaning, that the level of importance given to it should not be so much so that a person becomes sidetracked away from that which is more important. Because it appears maybe that is something which occurred over the last few months, that maybe people became so engrossed into this COVID situation, so involved in it, doing so much research and reading and YouTube videos and all types of things as though it has become your priority over and above everything else. And that shouldn't be the case. It's something which is likely to continue for quite some time. So the decision is going to be for every individual. If it's something which is going to carry on for quite some time, and I think that is almost agreed upon it is going to carry on for quite some time, then it's up to every individual to decide how they are going to conduct themselves. Either you maintain your preoccupation with this particular situation, and you place all of your time and your efforts into this situation, reading, research, whatever you may be doing, that you become engrossed in it, instead of using your time in that which you were using it prior to this occurring. So, the point of this is, a person should realize that all of this, of course, as we do realize, is from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we need to make sure that we don't digress away into affairs that do not require the level of effort and time and energy that maybe, maybe some people have given to it. 
Rather, now that we have the opportunity to begin the classes again, the focus and the energy should be renewed back into studying, back into knowledge, even if there has been studying and knowledge carrying on during this time, online classes, etc. But now with the physical classes beginning again, then certainly that routine should slowly start to come back where you begin to study, you begin to revise, even if it is in different forms and online and in whatever methods that are available to you, but not to waste time or to lose it into this COVID situation. That the discussions are upon COVID on a daily basis, that the conversations and the gatherings and the meetings and everything that happens during your days on a daily basis is regarding COVID and COVID stories, then that should not be the case. No doubt a person keeps aware of what is going on, keeps aware, keeps himself aware of developments. No problem with that, of course. But the point is you should not use your time on a daily basis on that. If people can use their time on a daily basis on COVID or whatever it might be, is it not more befitting and more deserving that you should use your time on a daily basis on Kashf al-Shubuhat or on other books or the Qur'an, as Sheikh bin Baz used to say, 30 minutes a day on the Qur'an every day. And for the last few months, there are probably people who've spent five times that 30 minutes, 10 times that 30 minutes a day, every day, in discussions and debates over this and over that. So, the point is, as a reminder to us all, to remember that, as students of knowledge, there are priorities. There are priorities that you cannot neglect and become absent-minded from and be pulled away and digress away from. So, inshallah ta'ala, we'll resume with our studies where we left off. Initially, we'll begin with a small introduction or reminder and recap of what we already covered. And then we'll move on from that point, inshallah ta'ala. The book that we were doing, as you're aware, is Kashf al-Shubuhat, the book of al-Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah ta'ala. This particular book, he wrote it as a refutation of those who were claiming that grave worship and seeking intercession and other forms of that nature are permissible. And they were trying to refute a Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab who was calling to Tawheed. So he refuted their doubts, their claims, and their so-called evidences that they were using to try and prove that grave worship is okay, calling upon the dead is okay, seeking intercession with the deceased is okay, seeking intercession with the Prophet ﷺ now is okay. They were claiming all types of claims and claiming that all of that is from Tawheed. So as Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah Ta'ala refuted their claims and their attempts at using evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah to prove their falsehood. 
He refuted their claims and showed the reality of Tawheed. So this book, as you will see, is a list of their doubts and a refutation of every one of those doubts, one by one. In the opening section then, he had said, اِعْلَمْ رَحِمَكَ Know, may Allah have mercy upon you. And you remember we mentioned that this is common from the Shaykh, that he makes dua for the readers, makes dua for the students, and it shows the genuine sincerity of the Shaykh, that he wants the people to learn and to understand and to comprehend their religion. So he often makes dua for the readers, and you will notice that in the book, or in his books as a whole, that he makes dua for the readers often. اعلم رحمك الله أن التوحيد هو إفراد الله بالعبادة Know may Allah have mercy upon you, that tawheed, it is to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with worship, with ibadah, the ibadah, all of that which Allah loves and is pleased with, from the actions and statements apparent and hidden, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala had mentioned in the definition of ibadah, a comprehensive and simple definition often used by the scholars. So he mentions Tawheed is to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with your worship. Tawheed, we have mentioned many a time before, from the verb wahada yuwahidu, to make something single and unique, to make something one, and that is done through al-nafi wal-ithbat, the negation and affirmation that you affirm all worship to Allah alone and you negate it from others besides Him. And then he continues, وَهُوَ دِينُ الرُّسُلِ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِهِ إِلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ That it is the religion of the prophets that Allah sent to his servants, the religion of the prophets whom Allah sent to the people with that guidance, with that tawheed. All of the prophets and messengers sent with the same religion, sent with the same principles. And that's why you see the scholars when they discuss tawheed, especially a Sheikh bin Bas rahimahullah ta'ala. He has a very methodical manner in which he explains the concept of Tawheed, the concept of our existence, this world, the purpose and objective of your lives. He will often say initially that the purpose of our existence is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ifradullahi bil ibadah, and the evidence for that, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I did not create the jinn or the humans except for them to worship me. 
So that ayah is the evidence and the proof highlighting to us that the objective of our existence is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed. Then he goes on to mention as the next step from that, now that you know Allah has created you to worship Him, the obvious next step is, we now need to work out how to worship Him then. We know our objective in this life is to worship Him. So now, obviously, the next step for us is to work out how to worship Allah then. And Allah did not leave us without an answer to that. Allah didn't just tell us our objective in this world is to worship Him, but then leave us without guidance on how to worship Him. Rather, Allah told us our objective in existence is to worship Him. And He gave us the guidance and the knowledge teaching us how to do that. How did He do that? By sending the prophets and the messengers. Allah sent the prophets and the messengers with the guidance showing us how to worship Him. Showing us how to do ifradullahi bil ibadah to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with worship. And so Allah mentioned in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنْ اِعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ That we sent to every nation a messenger preaching to them, Worship your Lord alone and abstain, stay away from the false deities. So Allah gave us our purpose in existence. Then Allah taught us and told us how to fulfill that purpose, how to fulfill that objective by sending the prophets and messengers, by revealing the books and the revelations so that mankind would not say we did not know. We did not know how to fulfill our objective in existence of worshipping you alone. Rather, we know when the evidence has been established upon us through the sending of the prophets and messengers and the revelation of the books. Hence, you see that all of the prophets, they came to their people with that same message. And they all said to them, Ya qawmi ibudullah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayruh. O people, worship Allah. Allah alone, you do not have any other deity besides Him to worship. There is no one else deserving of worship besides Him. That was the message of every prophet and messenger sent to his people. Hence you see in the narration where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the prophets, they are all, they are all of the same source. They are all of the same source, meaning the source of Tawheed, that is the same message for all of the prophets and messengers. The details that come after that in terms of the laws, the regulations, the fiqh, as you may say, that may differ from prophet to prophet, but the base message is always the same. 
the message of Tawheed. So he says, وَهُوَ دِينُ الرُّسُلِ الَّذِي أَرْسَلَهُمُ اللَّهُ بِهِ إِلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ That is the religion of the messengers whom he sent to his servants. فَأَوَّلُهُمْ نُوحٌ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ And so the first of them, the first of those messengers and prophets was Nuh alayhi salam. أَرْسَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ لَمَّا غَلَوْا فِي الصَّالِحِينَ Allah sent Nuh alayhi salam to his people when they exaggerated in the righteous. They exaggerated and went to extremes in their love for the righteous people. And that is known from the time of the people of Nuh alayhi salam. It is mentioned here, Waddin wa suwa'in wa yaghuf wa ya'uq wa nasr. That these individuals, Wadd and suwa' and yaghuf and ya'uq and nasr, they were righteous people at that time. Righteous people who lived in the time of the people of Nuh alayhi salam or just before the arrival of Nuh alayhi salam. And the people were in awe of them with respect and with honor and love for them. And when those people died, the community was left in a state of loss and hurt and sorrow at the loss of these righteous men amongst them. And so the shaitan saw the opportunity when these people were in that state of emotion, the shaitan saw the opportunity because prior to that, from the time of Adam alayhi salam up to the time of Nuh alayhi salam, 10 generations, and they were all upon Tawheed, just like in the narration of Ibn Abbas in Al-Bukhari, كَانَ بَيْنَ آدَمْ وَنُوحَ عَلَيْهِمَ السَّلَامُ عَشَرَةَ قُرُونَ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى التَّوْحِيدِ Between Adam and Nuh عَلَيْهِمَ السَّلَامُ were ten generations and all of them were upon Tawheed. So now that the people were in this sorrow and grief, the shaitan saw an opportunity to take advantage of their emotional state. And so step by step, he took the route required to eventually get them to create, to make statues. And then when knowledge was lost, and the next generation came and they didn't know, why their forefathers had made those statues and idols, the shaitan came to them and said, whenever there was a drought, your forefathers would call upon these statues and idols. They would call upon them for help and assistance and rain. And so the people, they began doing that. And they began calling upon others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that was the first shirk that occurred in mankind. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
sent Nuh alayhi salam, sent the first messenger Nuh alayhi salam to go and remind the people to bring them back to the Tawheed that their forefathers had been upon, to remind them regarding Tawheed and to warn them against shirk. So then he goes on and says, وَآخِرُ الرُّسُلُ مُحَمَّدٌ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَهُوَ الَّذِي كَسَّرَ صُوَرَ هَؤُلَاءِ الصَّالِحِينَ So Nuh alayhi salam was the first of the messengers. And then after him, one by one, messengers and prophets, they came. Over 300 messengers, some narrations talking about 313, others saying 310 odd messengers. And as for the prophets, over a hundred thousand prophets throughout the time, until the last of them, آخر الرسل محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم the final one, the last of them to come, was the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَهُوَ الَّذِي كَسَّرَ صُوَرَ هَؤُلَاءِ الصَّالِحِينَ And he is the one who smashed these particular idols. That is in reference to the story regarding those idols that were made at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. Of Wadd and Sawa' and Yaghuth and Ya'uq and Nasr, the idols that the people had made of them. When the floods came at the time of Nuh alayhi salam and everything was under the water, these idols were taken away by the water, by the floods. And when the waters receded, when the waters finished, the idols landed on current day Jeddah, the beaches of what is currently today known as Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. They landed on the beaches of that area and they were buried underground for years and years and years, gone into the ground after the water settled after the flood. Up until it came to the time close and nearby, to the coming of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there was an individual by the name of Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuzai. And the shaitan whispered to him, because he, this Amr, was a man who was influenced and affected by the mushrikun. He had been to Sham and had seen how they worshipped the various idols and the awliya and the salihin. So the shaitan whispered to him to go to the beaches of what is today Jeddah. And when he went and he dug, he found those original idols that were worshipped at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. And he retrieved them and brought them back to the areas of Hijaz, to the area of Mecca, and they were once again worshipped. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala mentioned, look at the evil impacts and effects of shirk, idols that were made 
at the time of the first messenger continued in existence and worshipped once again right up until the time of the last messenger and then it was only on the conquering of Mecca Fathu Mecca in the eighth year of Hijrah when the Muslims returned and they conquered Mecca and the Prophet ﷺ entered with his spear and broke those idols and they were the idols amongst others that were then finally destroyed the idols that had been in existence from the time of the first messenger were finally destroyed at the time of the final messenger so it mentions here وَهُوَ الَّذِي كَسَّرَ كَسَّرَ سُوَرَ الصَّالِحِينَ He is the one who destroyed and smashed the idols of those righteous people they had made at that time in amongst the 360 idols that were found around the Kaaba when the conquering of Mecca occurred. Here too, a sheikh, the Sharih, mentions, فَانْظُرْ إِلَىٰ آثَارِ الشِّرْكِ وَعُرُوقِهِ إِذَا عَلَّقَتْ مَتَى تَزُولُ وَتَمَّحِي He says, look at the effects of shirk then. Look at the effects of shirk that when they take hold, when they take hold, how long it takes until they finally disappear and they finally erode. When shirk takes hold, then it's something of a strengthy hold upon a person, upon a situation, until finally it is removed and it is destroyed. And then he mentions, أَرْسَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَىٰ أُنَاسٍ يَتَعَبَّدُونَ وَيَحُجُّونَ Now he's talking about the final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he was sent to a people who worshipped and they did hajj. The Quraysh at the time when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was sent to them they were a people who used to worship and they used to do Hajj. Quraysh, the Kuffar, the Mushrikun, they used to yata'abbadun wa yahujjun wa yatasaddaqun wa yafkurun Allah kathira. They would worship and they would do Hajj and they would give in charity and they would remember Allah a lot. The Quraysh. لَكِنَّهُمْ يَجْعَلُونَ بَعْضَ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ وَسَائِطَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ However, they would make some of the creation as intercessors and intermediaries between themselves and Allah. So they were not muwahidun, they were not people of tawheed, despite doing worship. As they did, it was full of shirk how they used to do it. When they would perform hajj, the mushrikun, when they would perform hajj, and in their talbiyah, when you say, labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, labbaik, la sharika laka labbaik, they would say, labbaik, Allahumma labbaik, labbaik, la sharika laka labbaik, 
إلا شريك هو لك تملكه وما ملكك. They would add on lines into the talbiya. We proclaim tawheed in it. They would proclaim that tawheed, but then add on shirk into it, saying into it, إلا شريك هو لك. That you have no partner, except maybe a partner that you do have, except the partners that you do have, you control them, though they do not control you. They affirmed partners to Allah in Hajj. Shirk. Yet, this is what they did. They would do tawaf around the Kaaba. Tawaf around the Kaaba. Mushrikun. At that time, yet they would do it naked. Naked around the Kaaba doing tawaf. So they did worship. يتعبدون ويحجون ويتصدقون ويذكرون الله كثيرا. They would do their worship and hajj and charity and remembrance of Allah. But all of that they were doing it upon shirk. Because from the time of Ibrahim السلام, the remnants of the religion of Ibrahim, they came through the remnants of what remained historically from the time of Ibrahim السلام, It existed. The kuffar, the mushrikun, they used to honor the Kaaba. They used to honor the Kaaba. Yet it was all upon shirk, claiming partners to Allah. They claimed they love Allah, and yet they associated others, others along with Allah in this love of theirs. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ And there are those who take partners alongside Allah. And they love them as they love Allah. So even though they may claim that we are upon the worship of Allah, and we love Allah, simultaneously they had love for these other deities and idols of theirs. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حِبًّا لِلَّهِ But those who believe, Allah says, they are greater in their love for Allah. And that has two different types of tafsir to it. That those who believe they are greater in their love to Allah than those mushrikun who claimed to love Allah, but simultaneously they were loving their other idols too. Those who believe they are greater in their love for Allah. One, because the believers, the muwahidun, do not associate any partners to Allah. So their love for Allah is pure, whereas the mushrikun split their love between their idols and Allah. And the second tafsir is that the level of love the mushrikun had to their idols, how strongly they loved them, what level of love they got to for their idols, it was not comparable to the level of love a believer has to Allah. Even the mushrikun, their level of love for their idols, how much they love them, that love 
in levels could not get to the level of love that the believers had for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the believers are greater in their love for Allah than those mushrikun. So this is what is being mentioned here. Allah sent the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to a people who worshipped and they did hajj and they gave in charity and they remembered Allah. However, all of that was done upon their basis of shirk. They were not in sincerity worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it mentions, وَلَكِنَّهُمْ يَجْعَلُونَ بَعْضَ الْمَخْلُوقَاتِ وَسَائِطَ بَيْنَهُمْ وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ That they would make these intermediaries and intercessors between themselves and Allah. And that is what we're going to look at in a lot more detail in the rest of the book. How they used to make partners alongside Allah, intermediaries and intercessors, claiming that these intermediaries are only bringing them, bringing them closer to Allah. And they would say, نُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ أَتَّقَرُّبَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَنُرِيدُ شَفَاعَتَهُمْ عِنْدَهِ They would say, and this was their calamity, they would say, we only want from them closeness to Allah. These others, their purpose and their objective is only to bring us closer to Allah. As though to say the ends justify the means. And we know that Islamically that is a principle that is false. The ends justify the means is not an Islamic principle. So that's what they claimed. That these intermediaries, the objective is just to get closer to Allah. And we just want their intercession to bring us closer to Allah. وَأُنَاسِ أَمِثْلُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَعِيسَى وَمَرْيَمْ وَأُنَاسِ غَيْرُهُمْ مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ So they would worship others and hold intermediaries with others, such as the angels. They would call upon the angels. And Isa alayhi salam, they would call upon him. And Maryam, the mother of Isa alayhi salam, and other people besides them from the righteous individuals. And we've seen before in other studies we've done that one of the types of idols that they used to have were statues of righteous people, just like it began at the time of Nuh alayhi salam statues of righteous people and at the time of Quraysh the same existed that they would have statues of righteous people or graves and shrines of righteous people that they would call upon seeking closeness to Allah and then فَبَعَثَ اللَّهُ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يُجَدِّدُ لَهُمْ دِينَ أَبِيهِمْ إِبْرَاهِيمَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ So then, when the Quraysh were upon this state, 
They were upon this state of shirk, of associating partners alongside Allah, of committing shirk in their worship, in their hajj, in their remembrance, in their love, in their charity, in whatever they were doing. They were doing it upon the basis of shirk. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whilst they were upon that state where they had lost their religion, lost Tawheed, only remnants remained from the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam and what came through. So Allah sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi sallam to revive the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam, Abu al-Anbiya, to revive the religion of Tawheed al-Hanifiyya, the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the religion of Tawheed, the religion of all of the prophets and messengers. وَيُخْبِرُهُمْ أَنَّ هَذَا التَّقَرُّبَ وَالِعْتِقَادَ مَحْضُ حَقِّ اللَّهِ and to inform them that this seeking of closeness and this aqidah, this belief that they have, it is purely the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, purely the right of Allah, not the right of the deceased in their graves, not the right of anyone else besides Allah, but that this worship, is to be made purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لَا يَصْلُحُ مِنْهُ شَيْءٌ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ None of it, not a single thing of it, is appropriate or correct for anyone else besides Allah. Not a single aspect of your worship, and that is the definition of shirk. صَرْفُ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ doing anything from worship to others besides Allah. That is shirk. Anything which is worship, you do any part of that to others besides Allah, then you've committed shirk. You have committed shirk by performing any type of worship for others besides Allah. And that's why even showing off is mentioned as a type of shirk. Because when a person shows off, they are praying to show off to the people, beautifying how they pray, beautifying their method and their length. If they are doing it to show off, then that indicates that they are doing it for other than Allah. Their intention is not purely for the sake of Allah. In their mind, they have an intention for these people too, to show them Hence it will be said to them on the Day of Judgment in a narration it mentions, اِذْهَبُوا إِلَى مَنْ كُنْتُمْ تُرَاؤُونَ فِي الدُّنْيَا هَلْ تَجِدُونَ عِنْدَهُمْ مِنْ جَزَاءٍ Go to the people you used to show off in front of in this world. Will you find any reward from them now? On the Day of Judgment, will you find any reward from them, the ones who you wished to impress? the ones who you intended to show off in front of. And so that is considered as a type of shirk because you are doing worship with an intention that is not pure for Allah. 
you have the intention of showing them and impressing them besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So any act of worship that is done to others besides Allah, then it is as the shaykh says here, لا يصلح منه شيء لغير الله. None of your worship can be done or is correct to be done to anyone besides Allah. لا لملك مقرب ولا نبي مرسل So neither to an angel brought close ولا نبي مرسل nor to a prophet that has been sent. And this is a phrase that you come across often in the books of Aqeedah. When they talk about this topic, they will say to you, you cannot worship anyone besides Allah. You cannot direct your worship to anyone besides Allah. Not even an angel brought close, nor a prophet that has been sent. Because the angels that have been brought close, angels that are in the heavens, in the, in the skies, in the heavens, close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are not deserving of worship despite their status. And neither prophets and messengers who have been selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, given revelation, they are not deserving of worship. And so if the likes of the angels with all of their status, and the likes of the prophets and messengers with all of their status, are not deserving of worship, not befitting for any worship, then what therefore of everything and anything else besides them? This so-called righteous man whose grave you are going to, is he at the level of the prophets and messengers? Not at all. So how can it possibly be correct to go to his grave and ask him if it is not even possible and legitimate to go to the graves of those who are superior to him from the prophets and the messengers? So that is a phrase that is often used. Neither an angel brought close, nor a prophet that has been sent. Because if those two categories cannot be called upon, then certainly everyone else besides them is lower than them in status, and therefore they cannot be called upon either. And that's why it says, فَضْلًا عَنْ غَيْرِهِمَا Let alone anyone else besides them. So that is perhaps where we'll stop today, a short opening session. And insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll resume with that point from there, from next week. You should now make sure that you get back into the routine of studying with the physical classes back on, revising your work on a weekly basis, revising together in whatever means are available these days with online groups and Skype and WhatsApp and whatever it is to use the means available to revise together still, to do the work, to memorize, to test each other. And inshallah ta'ala, that is the way that the student progresses with his ability of understanding. So we'll conclude upon that for today then. Any, uh, how much time do we have to Maghrib? Right now? In that case, no time for the questions on the opening day. I'm not even sure how questions would work. 
or inshallah ta'ala, huh? You got five minutes? So is it lift the mask or something? How does it work? Any questions? Anybody have anything to say? You know, you said the generation between Adam Generations. So the Qurun between Adam السلام, and Nuh السلام, it mentions the Asharata Qurun, the ten generations, a Qarn in the Arabic language typically refers to a hundred years. And so they say that the Asharat Qurun would typically refer to a thousand years. That would be the general understanding of the ten generations, a thousand years approximately between Adam السلام, and Nuh السلام. Meaning other prophets around that time? Didn't, the people around that time didn't, didn't live that long. Nuh السلام, we know regarding his lifespan that's mentioned. Uh, other people, and if that was the norm to everyone, Allahu alam. I don't know the details of whether that's something generalized to that time zone as a whole, if people had that type of lifespan as a whole. Or if it's something slightly more specific, Allah and um, correct me if I'm wrong, did he call the Tawheed or did he live or was it nine hundred and ninety five years? Did he? His lifespan, did he live for? Correct me if I'm wrong, nine hundred and ninety five years or did he call to Tawheed? Now that's mentioning of him calling to Tawheed. For nine hundred and ninety five, but he lived longer. Nine ninety five? Correct me if I'm wrong. Nine. 950? 950, that's okay. That's in mentioning of calling to Tawheed. <laughs> It's not, no, that is something like now we say somebody gets whisperings of the shaitan. 
How do you get whisperings of the shaitan? Do you see somebody sitting next to you talking to you? How does that work? But whisperings of the shaitan, we all understand that. It comes to you, your mind, you think of things. Allah alam how exactly this occurs. Maybe it is in the form of an actual physical jinn. Maybe that came to him and spoke to him. Maybe. Maybe it is more like the whisperings we talk about these days. But those details are unknown. Allah alam, maybe in seerah they say, maybe it was this, maybe it was that, but you're not going to get those details of how this occurred and was it a jinni who came to him and physically spoke to him or was it some other way? Those details are not mentioned. Page 30 on the bottom, the footnotes, it says something about him having a work of the jinn. Page 30? Which line were? Uh, four lines, about um, two lines up uh, the second to the last line. Mm, so it mentions, وَكَانَ عَمَرِ بِنْ لُحِيْكَاهِنًا so he says that Amr ibn Luhay, Amr ibn Luhay, it's known he was involved with the Mushrikeen, he was heavily influenced by them. They mentioned in his uh, uh, like biography where he went to Sham and he saw how they worshipped the idols and all of that influenced him. And it mentions here that he was involved in sorcery himself and that he could see the jinn and he had contact with them. So it is very possible those types of things occur. Alright, so we'll conclude upon that for today. Inshallah ta'ala next week. Uh, we may have to do it slightly earlier. Maghrib is going to be very early. Uh, do the class a bit earlier next week? Yeah, 7.45. 7.45. Maghrib is going to be maybe... It's going to be around that time, 22. 22 to 9-ish. So let's say 7.45 next week. 7.45 p.m. That's a break to the 8 o'clock we've had for years now. So remember, 7.45 p.m., slightly earlier, so we can do the full class rather than breaking and then carrying on after the prayer. 7.45 p.m., inshallah, next week.